everyone, and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect our favorite music, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, pop open a cold one, and let the debate begin. Welcome back. It's another episode of Debating Metal. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Each week, my co-host Chris Kay and I discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands in heavy metal and hard rock that we are passionate about. This week, it's episode 27, and we're thrashing it up with Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power versus Far Beyond Driven, the second and third albums from one of thrash metal's powerhouse bands. I'm choosing Vulgar Display of Power while Kenneth is going with Far Beyond Driven. Uh, We're putting the albums head-to-head to to see which album by the Masters of Groove Metal is the best. We also have some Rusty Metal, and this week I'm changing things up with my online pick of the week. We also pick the best of the best with our Big Four, where we pick our favorite songs, albums, etc. This week we're picking our Big Four Pantera songs. Last episode it was Big Four Accept songs. So to check out our list, go to our Instagram and comment about your Big Four. But before we begin, it's recap time. Last week, it was Accept, Udo versus Mark Tornillo. We offered up our opinions on both singers and their respective time in the band and debated why I prefer the new era that involves Mark, while Chris stood by Udo's side and chose him. So if you missed last week's episode or any of the other ones, subscribe, follow, or download to listen on any of the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And don't forget to rate us or leave a review. We also want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics. So if you agree with us or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us at our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Now it's time for Rusty Metal. Kenneth, what's your pick this week? All right. This week, I am going back to the new wave of British heavy metal, going to an album that came out in 1984 on combat records here in the united states it's an album by tokyo blade knight of the blade now that is their sophomore release and it is the first album to include their vocalist vicky james wright who ended up having to re-record all his vocal tracks on the album because basically all the songs were written they were recorded and then the singer left alan marsh and they you know they hired vicky james wright to replace him and so he basically re-recorded the entire album pretty much on short notice and as quickly as possible because they didn't have much studio time left while they were part of the new wave of british heavy metal scene um they kind of morphed into what was pretty much like the early 80s american style of music very similar to motley Crue, wasp lizzie borden Steeler, a lot of that early early 80s kind of unsigned band feel to it they, they didn't really have that new wave of british heavy metal sound so much as they had that early 80s american metal sound and so that that's what they they kind of ended up being so they never really took off because you know like for in their homeland people really didn't understand what you know who they were are they an american band or are they a british band because the new wave of british heavy metal had a very different and distinct sound but it still was pretty good stuff, and I like this album a lot. And this album has some highlights that uh, include Unleash the Beast and the title track, Night of the Blade. So check it out when you have a chance. It is on Spotify and Google Play and iTunes. 
and it's a really cool album. And they actually had the remastered version as well that includes um, the original recordings from the first singer, Alan Marsh. So you got both albums. You can actually compare them side by side. It's pretty neat. Awesome. All right, so for this week, I'm doing something a little different. I am picking an online pick of the week. And so what that means is I'm going to be going through streams uh, on on uh, Twitch or YouTube channels and just picking something that uh, is very exciting that maybe you haven't seen or if you have, uh, let's you know, let's get the word out. This week, I'm picking a musician that uh, has been posting on YouTube for 10 years now. Um, this guy, his channel is called The Suffocator. What he does is every week he picks like a, a, a musician and pits them against, you know, the other, another musician where they're like between their riffs. So he plays everything himself and he'll do like a, a mirror image or, you know, like a two versions of himself, one standing on one side of the screen and the other standing on this other side. And he'll, he'll pick like this week or um, not this week. Um, one of the most recent ones I've, I've watched was uh, Varg Vickerness versus all black metal guitar riffs. So he'll play, <laughs> he'll play one guy's music and then pit it against very similar music. And you'll see like, you know, similarities between the two songs or, um, you know, just maybe one guy's got some some more creativity than some of the others you know so you'll see like a lot of this and it's not always like just just trying to prove which one's better or anything but just you know just to get the idea out there maybe you're a fan of of this one musician and and you you can see that there's a lot more musicians out there that might tickle your fancy so like one of my favorites on there uh, and you know i always talk about death but chuck schuldiner versus all guitar riffs so he, they put him against Morbid Angel, Pestilence, Obituary, you know, a lot of bands within the same genre. And you can see, like, the complexity of, of, of all these riffs and and not kind of masked by the vocals. And, and masked maybe isn't necessarily the right word, but you get to see the purity of the riffs. So it's a really cool channel. He's got a lot of followers, but not enough in my opinion so check this guy out again it's the suffocator it's spelled s-u-f-f-o-c-a-t-e-r so make sure to spell it right and it's a it's a great channel so definitely subscribe cool i gotta check that out myself sounds sounds interesting i've seen i think i've seen maybe one or two videos like that just didn't realize it was the 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 suffocator because i wasn't watching the channel um, and I know you had mentioned something like that before to me about spe- specifically about the death versus everybody else. So yeah, I mean, as I get more into this kind of like things, things are evolving. We're changing in our world, and one of those things is uh, if you're not familiar with Twitch, but Twitch is open to a lot of different platforms. Like it's not just gamers, but there's musicians on there playing uh, music and, and having an open forum for people to comment and talk. So there are, there are musicians on there playing riffs and, and getting feedback. And it's, there's a, there's a, a wide world opening up in a different way that we're not used to. So I think it's, it's something to bring up and, and keep people aware of. Cool. I will, we need to definitely get into that. Maybe even somehow, somewhere along the way, a debating meta will come up with a Twitch channel. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. All right. So we're on to this week's main topic, and it's Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power versus Far Beyond Driven. So you are choosing 
a vulgar display of power, I am choosing Far Beyond Driven. Uh, let's go ahead and go over each of the albums and see uh, what they're all about. So one thing that really kind of stuck out to me that made me laugh a little bit on the inside was that I I tend to think that Far Beyond Driver, Driven is definitely the heavier album of the two. So it's it's funny to me that you picked Far Beyond Driven and I picked the more melodic of the two because <laughs> because there there are you know it it's kind of the opposite of what we would normally go with. Yeah, I typically am uh, a little bit more hook oriented and a little bit more I guess poppier than you are. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's kind of that's kind of one of the main points I feel about the albums. On my notes here, I wrote, it's a more melodic album. It it feels like the logical continuation from Cowboys. I mean, because if you follow, followed them from power metal through Cowboys, they definitely got a lot heavier with Cowboys. And then this is even heavier than that. So one thing about Pantera is each album, it's like they were trying to get more and more aggressive. So if you go through their entire catalog, you'll definitely feel that way. I, I tell you, I tell you what, and I, I, I think I've told you this story before personally. But when the Great Southern Trend Kill came out, I was working at Best Buy, and I was working that Monday night. Now, back then, new music used to come out on Tuesdays. Nowadays, it come out on Fridays. And when uh, when I was working at Best Buy, so what what we would do is on Monday nights, you have to set up for the advertisement that comes out. Um, that starts on Tuesday, and it was really weird because, you know, you would get uh, the newspaper would give out these, you know, the the flyers, not the flyers, but the the ads. You know, all the stores would have their sales, and they all started on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And so Best Buy's sale ad would start on Sunday, but the the, the new releases for mu- music and videos would would come out on Tuesday. So it it was kind of weird. So on Monday nights we had to set up for this stuff. Anyway, to get to the main part of the story. The Great Southern Trump Kill comes out. I have it in my hand, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to play this when the store closes because I obviously couldn't play it while the store was open. And I'm in my department putting away the CDs or putting out the new CDs, and I put on Trend Kill, and I could not believe that first song, The Great Southern Trend Kill, was more brutal than stuff that was on Far Beyond Driven. It was is like, how can they possibly get even more brutal than they were on on driven it was crazy to think that but yet they achieved it somehow some way on, oh yeah on trend kill it was unbelievable to me and i was like i can't believe this you know and then and it's still groove that's the funny thing because you know then you go to war nerve and, and and other songs like that that came that came later in the album it's oh, yeah. still grooved but that trend kill was so brutal of a song i mean it, it makes it makes certain songs on on driven seem like they're, they're children. They're, they're like little kids not being able to control themselves. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. It, you know, for better or worse, they did get heavier and heavier and heavier. So that, to, to me, usually means a good thing. But to me, between Vulgar Display of Power and Far Beyond, Far Beyond Driven, the heaviness didn't necessarily equate to better songs. So... To me, like the opener of Mouth for War, it's really groovy. It's aggressive. My One of my favorite aspects of it is it switches between two really awesome riffs. It goes back and forth, and it keeps the song interesting throughout. And it, and it kind of introduced, like, 
there's there's a sound to Pantera that they have that is almost like a power tool like quality. It almost feels like they're they're playing the the guitar with a with a drill. Yeah. Like and Mouth for War was one of the first songs that I really felt like that was that was a solidified sound for Pantera. Like it's a little bit there on Cowboys, but it's not quite there until that first track of Vulgar. So Mouth for War, I I love that track. What do you think? Mouth for War is a good track. I, I like it because you, you have that, it has that real groove that it starts off with, and then mm-hmm. it just, on a, on an instant, it switches to that real fast, chuggy uh, riff, and, and like you said, trades back and forth throughout the song. Pretty cool song. I have no problem with it. I like it a lot. I, I, I like Vulgar Display of Power is an album. I mean, obviously, I mean, I like all of Pantera's albums. I mean, I, they didn't put out a bad album. Let's clarify the uh, the uh, Phil Anselmo era didn't put out a bad album. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm talking about Pantera's major label releases. Pan- Pantera, Pantera, yeah. Yeah, Pantera. <laughs> we mock the, the glam metal days of Pantera. I mean, um, they're fun to go back and listen to, but there's nothing substantial. But, well, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. It's funny we talk about that because yesterday I was reading an article. It was yesterday or two days ago, whatever. This week mm-hmm. I was reading an article that Phil, for a very temporary period of time, joined X Hoarder, and that was while they still had not come out with Cowboys from Hell. And so when the, when the singer for X Hoarder left and he was gone for a short period of time, they brought in Phil and they told him, this is, this is how we play, this is how we sing the songs, this is how it wanted to sound. And he kind of said, okay, dug into that style. And basically, the singer for X Hoarder came back and they said, um, the, the guitar, I think it was the guitar players telling the story. He says, hey man, sorry, but so-and-so's back and uh, we're going to go back, you know, we're going to go with him. So Phil went back to Pantera and says, dude, we have to, you know, we have to do the music like this. And essentially that's how Cowboys from Hell was born into that style. I don't know how true the whole story is, but this is the bass player saying, I was there, so I know how Pantera started. I know how or how that sound for Pantera started on Cowboys, and that's what his hmm. story was. So I, was, I thought that was a pretty interesting story. Yeah, that is interesting. I meant I to tell you about that, that the other day. It's on Blabbermouth. I'm surprised you didn't see it. Yeah, that you probably skipped over it because you saw Exhorter and you're just like, oh shit, this means nothing. <laughs> well, it, there's so many articles per day on Blabbermouth. It's hard to keep up with everything. Oh, I know. So back to the to the uh, the track list. Uh, the second track is a new level. I like this song a lot because thematically, it's it's like this. It's it's really actually similar to Becoming, which is the second track of Far Beyond Driven. Like thematically, you know, it's it's this song about. Um, reaching the next level it's it's like there's there's something it it almost reminds me of like uh like a horror movie in a way where you know it's like you're becoming something beyond human in a way right it's got that like just raw power to it and i and i it just it's such a great continuation from from mouth for mouth for war, it's just it just drives it goes right into the next song, which is funny because it does the same thing on on uh, uh, far beyond driven, where it just immediately goes into the next song. Right. Yeah. I mean, a new level is a good song. It, it kind of slows the pace down a little bit, but that, that's not a big deal because it eventually builds back up. 
not the biggest fan of that song, but at the same time, it's not you know it's not a song I'm going to skip just because I want to skip it. Once I'm listening to the album, I'm going to go through with it. But a new level is not you know my I'm one of my top ten Pantera songs. Um, yeah, you know. Um, well, one thing that's interesting about this album to me over Far Beyond Driven is that it has a lot of ebbs and flows, whereas Far Beyond Driven is kind of like the al- it matches the album cover. It's just dr- driving the drill like it it never stops. It's like a freaking freight train that just keeps hitting you until it's done. Yeah, you're like on the side of it and you're you're like flipping as it hits the like in the face and you can't get out of it you know? <laughs> yeah so yeah there it definitely has the ebbs and flows and 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 so like walk though come on no walk is that's a different story i mean walk well, is 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 an essential panter song well, it, it, to me like this is what i wrote down i said four notes of aggression incarnate <laughs> Because it's just that same riff, you know. It has like the little the the ending added to it, you know. But it's that dun 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 dun, dun. you know. It's just oh my god! Like, how can something so simple be just in your face and just kick ass? It is exactly what you say. It's the the simplicity of that song it, because it gets to breathe so much that mm-hmm. that you know. And then the the the, the topic of the story about basically, you know, a two faced people, it is just so brutal, you know, well, everyone even, can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. It's so brutal. It is so in your face, but yet because it's such a slow paced song that it, like I said, it breathes it, it's able to kind of live and exist. It's almost, it's real it, for people. They, they can really get an attachment to it because of the of the the lyrical content, the subject matter, and the fact that it, it is slow and methodical. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those things where it, it's not so slow where, you know, it's not a ballad type of slow, but it's one of those kind of constant machines that just kind of, you know, just keep Well, it's like Michael Myers, you know, it's like it keeps coming. Yes. You know, you know, it's not it's not slow like like, oh, I can get away from this. It's slow like it's on your tail. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps going and keeps going, and it's it was, it's an awesome song. I mean, uh, Nickelback to to bring them up, play that song, uh, or at least play the riff to that song during their concerts because they're they're huge uh, friends with the guys from Pantera. Now, obviously, Vinny and, and Dimebag are not here anymore, um, but they were very close to those guys. I mean, it, it mm. sounds odd. Because you would never think that Nickelback would be that close, but they were really, really good friends. I mean, they wrote that song "Side of a Bullet" in dedication to uh, to to um, to Dimebag, and they actually had uh, they reached out to Vinny and they said, "Hey, can you send us over some guitar clips?" And they used uh, a bunch of different solos uh, to to be the solo for the song. Uh, side of a bullet and when they play the song in concert they actually play that solo so they sync it up so when they play the solo it's it's dying bag playing they, they just they're just playing the riffs and, and watching along the video it's pretty cool yeah that cool. is a cool story um one thing that I, one other note i had about walk was that one one thing that i think really helps the song also is that the vocals are pushed so far to the front so it's balanced very well and and because it's such a kind of a story driven song the vocals being up at the front is very important 
Yeah. So that's one thing that makes it just really solid. And and in the in the you know a little insider secret for recording for people out there who don't know about it, but when that because the song can breathe because there's spaces in the song that allows the vocals to come up and ha- and you know the way they compress things everything comes out even but since the vocals are forward in the song it it comes out that much better you know because the song breathes because there's so much space in between everything so that's what makes it so much better those vocals you know and and Phil singing on that is as rough as it is you can tell you can almost you know hear every word that he's saying without worrying oh, yeah. you know that it's it's muffled or anything like that it's pretty perfect for pantera really all right so the next song i mean it's pretty self-explanatory fucking hostile yeah that's um it's it, brutality at its it's at its highest form <laughs> well i i said manic aggression thematically about Sorry, my handwriting is garbage. Um, <laughs> thematically about angst caused by outside judgment. I mean, I think everyone can relate to that song. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, I always called it that song. I always call that song Controlled Chaos um, because it's such a cool song. Because it's not, it's not, it is, when I say Controlled Chaos, it's because the song has a riff, it has a rhythm. It's just it's just cranked to you know top speed it's like taking a regular song and moving it to 78 and then dropping the pitch so that it sounds right yeah i agree with that <laughs> you know and the words are cool about it and then just you know the chorus is it's a sing-along chorus not the the fucking hostile part but the the pre-chorus basically you know so when he gets to hostile you know everyone just sings along with it but the the part before it is super cool you know so it, it, oh yeah it, it's a great song, despite the title, <laughs> despite the fact that it won't get radio play. <laughs> it is a great song, but everyone knows it. That's that's the thing. Is because oh, yeah. it is such a like yeah. The name is is pretty controversial in in ways, but it is what it is. I mean, it it there's no qualms about it. That the song title is what it says, and there's no going back from it. So I I think it's a great song. All right, uh, number five is uh, This Love. I, I said, a Pantera ballad <laughs> features more singing from Phil, and it, it really shows the ebbs and the flows of this album. So, like like we said before, it, it has its ups and downs as far as pacing goes, and this is the slowest song on the album, but it also is, it's like an aggressive love song. <laughs> um yeah it's aggressive all right it's a it's definitely an aggressive love song <laughs> you're never going to not love me is <laughs> basically the theme of the song <laughs> oh what you think you're gonna leave i don't think so <laughs> yeah it's it's an aggressive song it's it's um it's a slow song except for when it you know goes into the chorus um it's it's true aggression i mean that that's pantera personified it's aggression that that's always been the theme for pantera since they signed their major label contract well so you you said like you're never gonna leave so do you know what the the, like the music video is about have you seen the music video i've i have seen the music video but i it's been such a long time that i don't remember it okay so basically it's it's like a prostitute that like she's basically being attacked by the the john that's mm-hmm. so he's trying to rape her right. and it and it is implied that she kills him 
So it's it's like um, even though it's a prostitute, like you can't take from a person. Like you, it's especially something like that. It still has to be a consensual um, arrangement. I mean, it's just that's you're when you when you take somebody's freedom away from them in any way that you're you're pushing to the, them to the limit and so even though this is a, a person of, of questionable character in general you still can't mistreat people and that's kind of a theme of the whole album is that don't freaking judge me don't don't take from me don't you are not better than me and so that's that's one thing I really like about this song is when you tie it into that music video and that connotation, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, the video doesn't necessarily go along with the lyrics of the song, but you know each videos uh, back in those days, you know there were many movies and you know, they're big giant productions, and mm-hmm. sometimes the directors would take a, a snippet of the lyrics or the snippet of, of what they thought the song was about mm-hmm. and they would make their movie about it or yeah. their, their mini movie. So I, I don't necessarily think that the, that the actual whole song is about that, that, that particular subject matter, but it is still about what you're saying where you, you can't take something from somebody without their permission. Even so, so the director brought it to one extreme. Pantera has their own extreme. They still work together. I mean, it's it, yeah. I mean, they're still intertwined, right? Exactly. You know? But yeah, no. It's it's again. There's nothing you can say about Pantera that doesn't describe aggression or brutality. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, with Pantera, there's that groove element that made them so cool. Yeah. Because a lot of this stuff, you would sit there and say, this is not an accessible style of lyric writing or an accessible style of songwriting but then they would turn that groove on and you're like yeah you know you're bopping your head and and you know you're snapping your fingers and this is a cool song and then you know phil's singing he's like well hold on a second let's get back to reality here this is pantera (laughs) you know and that's what was so cool about pantera yeah it's a good mix that that keeps people that even aren't really necessarily a, a fan of that style of music keeps them interested as well because it's have a larger appeal because of that groove right exactly all right so the next track is rise again this is another kind of manically aggressive track i i love the riff on this one i, I don't really have a better way to explain it it's just it just it's very uh, almost mathematical in the riff yes it's very calculated we were talking about this the other day that it's very similar to um, a helmet song it is i don't agree with that like some people will say it's the same as uh that helmet track but you're gonna have to remind me which is because i'm not a big helmet fan unsung um unsung yeah that's right uh and i see the similarities but to me it's 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 a passing similarity oh i mean It's, it's it's only in that one that one little riff that's it, mm-hmm. and there's enough difference in the riff, especially when they when they go off riff. Then it's not even remotely close. They're not similar songs at all. But when it gets to that basic main riff in the song, there are extreme similarities. But you know, Pantera song goes one way, Helmet song goes the other way. After that, there's no comparison. I was talking to a friend of mine a while back um, who had studied music theory, and so we were talking about how. There was a, a track by, 
and man, I'm I'm having trouble remembering the name of the band, but it was it was a track from a few years ago, and they're kind of like a I would say like a hard rock. I don't I don't know how to describe it, but they're it's not a genre of music I listen to. But basically, the track had been under scrutiny because there were about 15 other songs that used a very similar chord progression. And so you, you could go to this website and look at all the different tracks that use the same. They saw, they all had very distinct similarities. And my friend was saying, well, you know, in music theory, this, you know, this applies that you, you would logically follow this, this chord progression. And that's why there's the similarities. You can't say, Oh no, a hundred percent. This guy never heard this other track, but this is, you know, there's going to be certain ideas that overlap and yeah, rhythms, that it's a little different story but i think that's just something that happens you know there's realistically there's there's so many rhythms that could possibly be made you know there's billions of of rhythms there's probably even more than that but the likelihood of us of us coming up with the same thing is very possible so i don't think that to me, it's just not similar enough to say, oh, they just clearly ripped off Helmet. Oh, no, I don't think they ripped off Helmet whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I believe both songs came out the same year. And so it, it, it's not, it, to me, it, like we talked about the other day, how is it that Metallica and Anthrax put out the same exact drum beat in two different songs? You know, one you know, obviously one song, one Metallica song. The, the the drum beat, the famous drum beat to one with the double bass. There's a snippet of a song. I think it's making me laugh on State of Euphoria. That is the same exact drum pattern. I mean, there's only so many drum patterns out in the world, you know. And so it it's yeah. just it's just funny how you know we can have these things. You know, you you have a limited amount of notes, but you have this different chord progressions that you know one guy a, a thousand miles away is coming up with the same chord progression as you are yeah so i i don't think it i don't think it's a direct rip off at all it just so happens to be that they're very very similar riffs again pantera's riff changes from the chorus to the pre-chorus and then it goes back into that riff the the um helmet one is again their version it goes on in the, in the middle of their verses and changes on the chorus changes on you know the pre-chorus whatever it is that's where the changes are there's no similarities in the songs whatsoever yeah other than the riff uh so the next track is no good attack the radical to me this sounds like kind of a carryover from uh from cowboys it has a very similar sound to cowboys it doesn't uh, have the same amount of aggression as the last few tracks so it, it the next three tracks i think are the weakest but i still like them a lot um so no good live in a hole live in a hole i believe is same kind of thing it's like a it's kind of a carryover from that same style of writing from cowboys uh i really like the solo in this song but it's like so short <laughs> it's it's so short um but it's a slow and plodding track so again we're kind of going down into a, a slower pace uh regular people is to me the weakest track on the album um 
I think it picks up in the next two tracks. The intro I love to, to regular people, but it's overall I think it's kind of the the passable song on the album. Number ten is uh, by Demons Be Driven. Um, I think this has probably the heaviest riff for the intro, and to me, it sounds like the closest to what you would hear on Far Beyond Driven. By Demons Be Driven, what I love about that song is the mm-hmm. title. I just <laughs> the oh, yeah, title is cool. very attractive. You know, you said by demons be driven and it's 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 such a unique way to say it and I, I, I like that a lot. Very cool riff, very heavy. Um definitely I, I agree with you, it's one of the heavier riffs on the album. So it it is it's it's not a super fast song, but it's not a plotter either. So it, it it's it's a I guess you could sit. It's almost into that signature style of Pantera that when it grooves, you know, just continues and goes on that way. Pretty cool song. Um, I actually like the next song, even though we were joking about it the other day, Hollow, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I just felt like it was like to me it was like a leftover from Cowboys, but you have a different opinion on it. Well, Hollow has kind of an interesting story behind it. Um, a friend of theirs, or a friend of, of uh, the band's, basically was in a comatose and vegetative state. So Phil wrote this song, to kind of not to be specific, but but to, you know, kind of focus on that, but a lot of losses and, and you know, just bad things that have happened in his life. So it's telling a story of kind of this one, it's this feeling of hollowness inside, but also like it, it categories, you know, that, that, that feeling of being trapped in a, in a body, in a vegetative state. It has, it has kind of a dreamlike quality. So you can actually hear it in the way that the vocals were recorded. It almost sounds like it's, um, it's otherworldly in a way. And it's just it's just kind of a like really strong song. It's 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 more melodic. It's more singing, and then it has these moments of like really heavy drumming, really heavy riffing. So it goes through lots of phases in the song, and it goes from soft to raspy to growling. I mean, it's 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 a powerful song. Yeah, no, it is. When I when I say it reminds me some of stuff off of Cowboys, it's like to me, it's a natural progression when you go from Cemetery Gates to Hollow to This Love. When you talk about the three ballads, that that's that's the way I kind of put them in that kind of order. They don't none of them interlink whatsoever, but you know, like Cemetery Gates, you could see he had that that clean singing. He wasn't really doing a lot of the growling, you know. Then. In he hollow. was still doing some of the uh, the, the the singing too, like the high pitch. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, he that would that definitely is one of those songs that are left over from the power the metal 80s. days. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you know, and then hollow it, the subject matter really cool um, way because I was criticizing it the other day with you about the whole hollowness of the song because of the fact that it they put so much reverb on it and they do sound like they're in, in some sort of tank. But based on the lyrics to it, it that you, you pointed out to me, it's supposed to be that way. Although it's funny because I'm like, but it doesn't sound like anything else on the album. It, it, that's the why. That's why, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I stand corrected about that criticism. Although 
I think they could have achieved it without making it sound so reverby. Um, but that's that's you know that's all uh, personal preference. I like the song. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's 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 got a cool rhythm to it, cool cool melody, you know. And and it, it it's personal. That's what's cool about those things, you know. They those types of meanings, deep meanings. That's why things are so good, because they have that deep personal connection. And it it it's generic enough to the general public that it can affect every every person in a different way but yet it still has that emotion that emotional attachment to every anybody and i think that's one thing i really like about phil as a lyricist is that he has a definitely a very aggressive quality we keep using that word but it i mean that's that's the best way to describe it he he has that like way of singing but his lyrics are very relatable mm-hmm. i think everybody has gone through that anger you know that that frustration and this is this is like an outlet to all that anger and that's why it's so relatable exactly so that is the the end of the regular album but after the 20th anniversary so it's been out for over 20 years they released the 20th anniversary edition and it had a song called piss in it and i think that song is super cool I agree. To me, like I always like to listen to the album as it was originally released. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't even prepare for this. But, but as a song, "Piss" is an awesome song. I think it's a great bonus track. I don't know how it was originally released. Was it on a, a Japanese release or? I don't think it was released at all. Uh, so until it's just, the twentieth anniversary, true bonus. Yeah, track. It's, a, it's a brand new, you know, previously unreleased song. Okay, I, I'm, that's what I'm guessing here. Let me. Let me uh, double check. So, to answer your question, yes, "Piss" was an unreleased track, uh, and it was um, undis- it was the only undiscovered complete Pantera track that was that there ever was, and it is released here on on this album. So that's the only one that they had that was completely finished, uh, including Dimebag stuff. Wow, I. I definitely feel like it fits with some of this stuff. I, if I was gonna place it in the album, I definitely wouldn't put it at the end. I would put it at maybe somewhere right between, like Rise and, like between Rise and Regular People, somewhere there. I think it, it personally, the way it sounds to me, it's something left over from Cowboys or around that era. But I think with Cowboys, they had different stuff when they did their 20th anniversary edition, and they they kept this one for the uh, Vulgar Display of Power 20th anniversary. Mm, that's gotcha. that's my thinking. I I don't know if that's the truth or not. We'll never know unless Vin, uh, not Vinny's, but Dimebag's girlfriend explains that. But I doubt she will. Gotcha. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of why I say it would fit right there in that that group because, like I said earlier i feel like those songs are kind of holdovers from that style of writing that was on cowboys so if it's going to fit anywhere on this album it would be there right exactly okay so on to the other album that we got to talk about which is far beyond driven all right so far beyond driven for me i guess it, it it holds a special place in my heart as far as pantera is concerned it was the first album to be released by Pantera that was new to me. Vulgar Display of Power and Cowboys from Hell are both albums I went backwards. They were already released, and I went backwards to listen to them. So 
I discovered Pantera in between Vulgar and Far Beyond Driven. So Far Beyond Driven comes out. I'm part of the music business at this time. I'm working at the record store. And this thing comes out. And I said, oh, I've got to check it out. And I put that CD on. And the first song I hear is Strength Beyond Strength. What a cool song. You know, it's one of those things, you know, each each song on Pantera's albums, each first song, let me put it that way, um, get got progressively more heavier and faster and more brutal. This is the third in the series of five, although the fifth one would not be the same. I, I, I think it culminates with the fourth one with Trent Kill, like we talked about earlier. This one, closer to trend kill than it is to a new level in terms of speed, brutality, and, and sheer aggression. But man, what a killer riff. And then when it, the breakdown in the middle is just so heavy. I mean, that when it, when it stops and it comes into that slow chugging guitar, and then goes into the drums, holy cow. The only thing I wish was that I think I wish the, the drums were more in your face and more, I guess, drier so that it would be more impactful. But you can only hope for so much. It is still that brutal that that song just, it, I mean, you crank it up to, to 11 and it's just going to rip your face off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is one of the strongest songs on the album what i said was uh it shares similarities to the riff of walk so you can you there's like a there's a little bit of similarity there especially in that breakdown and that's that's where it really gets heavy and chuggy and that kind of makes it like probably one of the heaviest songs on the album as well as a great opener oh yeah it's it's uh i love that song it is really, really cool song. All right, so song number two, you go to Becoming. So this at this point, the next three songs is a groove. I mean, it's just a constant groove. They, they don't relate to each other in, what, in any way, shape, or form. But all three of them groove. And so you've, they found a rhythm that's not super fast, it's not super slow. But they found that rhythm in those three songs just crank along. Becoming, super cool song. I love that song. You know, the, the meaning behind it. Just basically, it's almost like a, a a conceited song as far as, you know, they're they're trying to point somebody out. It being Someone being conceited, being, you know, full of themselves, to me, in my opinion. That's the way I look at it. I think it has a really like machine-like quality. It has a very mechanical riff to it, and it makes it honestly feels like I'm on a conveyor belt getting dental work done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I say that, but it's like uh, I see it as a good thing, and I, dental work and good thing don't are things that go together. <laughs> but yeah. the way I think of it is like it's such a brutal thing like it you know like i i just think of it like that like it's it's so brutal it's it's like hurting me but awesome at the same time (laughs) 
funny that you say something about dental work because to me it's kind of the opposite it's more and this is going to sound really funny but it's more like they're 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 squeezing the belly of a cat and it keeps squeaking <laughs> that's the way i see it you know it's like when you know and it's that that's the way the whole song has always felt like to me there's you know he has that wah-wah pedal and he hits it to the extreme to make that cat-like noise yeah there's so much distortion yeah and i, I mean i could i could see your comparison to the to the dental work for sure because you know that high-pitched little squeal that they put in your when they're cleaning your teeth is is insane you know and, and i can see why you know a lot of people are sensitive to it but I, I look at it. I looked at it the opposite way. It's just almost like there's a, he's stepping on a cat every time he does that. It's horrible. <laughs> well, so the, what I mean is like okay. So the way I think of that song is because it is so mechanical in its riff. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like the a conveyor belt arm. You know, like got like on a production line. Right. And it's like one two eh, uh, one two eh, you know. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, but I'm the guy on the conveyor belt getting dental work done. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, you're someone squeezing a cat. But uh, I'm like brutal, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a super cool song. I mean the, the whole just just everything that the, the experimentation that they did on this album, as far as, um, and I don't want to say recording techniques, but um, playing techniques that that Dimebag pulled out on this was just incredible. I mean the stuff that he was doing all over the album was was crazy. Um, what I don't like, though, in comparison, is that like remember when I said on um, on the first track on uh, Mouth for War, Mouth for War alternates between two riffs. One thing that I find kind of problematic about Far Beyond Driven is that most of these tracks like settle on one riff and they just kind of drive it and drive it and drive it until the end of the song. And there might be a solo or a little breakdown, but for the most part, it's like one repetitive riff. And that's not a bad thing, but at the same time, I like the more dynamic changes on the on vulgar display of power. Right, I get that. and and But I think that's where Pantera really found their niche, and that's why groove metal became what it was, because they were riding the one riff. It's like riding a wave. You just don't change. You don't move, you don't change, you don't try to do anything. You just want to ride that wave. I get what you're saying, and I and I agree that sometimes there's a little bit adding an extra riff here or there may have helped the song, but at the same time, that it doesn't detract from the song that they only have one riff and maybe change it slightly at the end. You know, that's what is cool because they can do that and still have a great song. All right, so five minutes alone, a little slower then becoming a lot slower than strength beyond strength but it's got one of the coolest videos out there the the whole idea that you can see those guitar strings and bass strings move up and down the way they do is super cool the song itself is is excellent very similar it's just one riff rocking through grooving through the drum beats pretty cool on this on this song and so i'm a fan of the song well, how do you feel it's, about it? It's not one of my favorites. It's really repetitive. And the story behind the song is pretty good. I like the lyrics. I like the the video. But as a like just it's not one of those ones that I just think to put in and that's the song I want to listen to. It's just 
it's repetitive. Now, one thing I do like about it is it does feel like you're kind of in like in the middle of a brutal fight. It's just, it's a smackdown, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, like I said, it, I don't dislike it, but it's not on my top songs. Right. Just like we, when you were talking about the, the conveyor belt thing is mm-hmm. that that's the way to me, the like what was a good comparison for becoming was was the the dental work this mm-hmm. this one to me is more conveyor belt because it is so consistent through the song mm-hmm. so and again not a bad song like the song a lot um i mean i love listening to the first four songs in this album there i go again <laughs> but <laughs> it is it, it is one of those songs where you know you 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 want to get to the next song on broken you you like becoming enough to keep it on there, so you know what? I'm going to listen to Five Minutes Long. It grooves enough that you just say, like, "All right, I'll listen to it." But it's still a good song. Speaking of which, "I'm Broken" is one of my favorite Pantera songs. I love the video. I love the 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 lyrical content of of the song. I love just the way it's it's sung, where he's he's singing on top of himself, coming in in two different methods. There's, there's that not a scream but an aggressive part and then he's coming in to sing you know underneath that aggressive part and they overlap each other so it, it's it's kind of weird you know because there's parts of it that you sit there and say he's got to change that to sing it live but it was still good enough to know that it was going to come across the right way when it is sung live I, I, I love this song you know it, it, it there's a there's a real deep meaning behind it that I that I appreciate. You appreciate back pain. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been through it. <laughs> so yeah, like this song is about Phil Anselmo's back pain. I mean that's that's the that's the general theme of what what was going on when he wrote it. Um, uh, Pantera f- fans got to know about uh, his his back pain. I mean he he had broken himself, no pun intended. But over and over, you know, diving into the crowd, just really wrecked himself and ended up getting on painkillers, etc., to try to cope every day. And this song is kind of a precursor to a lot of that. And it's, I mean, it's something that is relatable. You know, everybody has something in life that makes them feel broken, whether it's a relationship or, or uh, you know, physical pain mental pain of some type and i think everybody can relate to that there are some really interesting uh uh, vocal techniques like you said where it's overlapping that is cool and one one note that i wrote was that it's the best individual riff uh that repeats (laughs) no i mean the lyrics are generic enough and i I don't want to say generic in, in a in a negative connotation i think relatable is a better word well, when I say generic, it's it's not specific enough to broken back pain. That oh yeah 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 I you know so so it's not specific enough to sit there and say oh yeah that's what the song is about. But it's it's generic enough to to relate it to whatever you want to relate it to, as far as you know taking con, you know control of your life and and you know feeling a certain way and trying to get your your life back together. So, well, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's relatable to relationships or personal pain, right? Whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, but but 
at the end of the day, Phil was writing it about his back, which amuses me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From here, I got to say that the album kind of dips for me in a way where I, I'm not too keen on. Good Friends and, and, and Bottle of Pills. Okay. You know, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, Hard Lines and Sunken Cheeks really doesn't do anything for me. The, those two songs... It, it has the best guitar solo on the album. Okay. Hard but, Lines and, and Sunken Cheeks. It, it does. You go back and listen to that, that guitar solo. The rest of the song is pretty boring. So, so, that, <laughs> so that's the part that bothers me because I don't want to get through the song. You know, just you. to get to the, I, good, to, the, to the good guitar solo. I had a note here about Good Friends and, and uh, a Bottle of Pills. Uh, it's a spoken word album, or spoken word song in the vein of Henry Rollins, uh, but it has a lot of attitude. It does, and it, it it's 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 hard to explain. The song really is weird, you know. The mm-hmm. the you know there's it, there's it's very loosely structured song, and so I I never really got into it. I'm not trying to put down Pantera in, in any way, shape, or form because I'm a, I'm a big fan, but that's just not one of my songs, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, me neither. I, it's it's not one that I really listen to. So for me, you know, I kind of skip ahead. Now, if this was a record, I would I would like to assume that "Slaughtered" is the first song on side two, and "Slaughtered" is one hell of a song. If you thought Strength Beyond Strength was brutal, <laughs> Slaughter, Slaughter slaps whoever's singing that song, you know, sideways. Slaughtered is literally what it says. It's slaughtered. It is an awesome song. Brutality at its max on this album. But yet it's such a really cool song. I mean, the riff is amazing on this, especially the 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 the, the way Dimebag plays left to right. On the on the album, you know, he, he records a riff on one side and then records a riff on the left side. You know, the way they the way they recorded it, the way they've produced it, awesome. I love the way they do that. And Phil's singing is, I mean, is, is might as well have been a, a death metal song. All right, so what I wrote here <laughs> is completely contrary to what you said. I said uh, probably the inspiration for metalcore and gent sounds kind of <laughs> meh. <laughs> see, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, I can see, I can see what you're saying that because of the guitar riff. Um, but I, I to well, it's, me, it's the guitar matching with the drums. You know that that right. thing that we I always mention that I hate. I'm just not a metalcore guy, and this is definitely before the metalcore scene. But I feel like it's possibly an inspiration to that genre of music. Oh yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, I think Pantera in general was a big inspiration to the, to that you know to Gent and metalcore, just mm-hmm. because of the of the the grooviness. Not to say that they're groove metal, but the fact that you that you have that syncopated style, yeah, that, you know, groove metal lends itself to that because it is because it is one riff and it's repeated over and over again. That's the that is the part that makes it similar to metalcore and Gent. Yeah, but I like the song. So, and then from there, I don't really get the rest of the album. <laughs> I said, I said on 25 years, feels like it's going on for 25 years. 
<laughs> Aggressive ending is the most interesting part. Now, the ending of that song I do actually like. Uh, the first half of the song, I'm not as big of a fan of. The riff changes. It gets uh, gets more more punchy in the second half, mm-hmm. and I like it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, 20, 25 years, again, I can, I can skip over 25 years. I can skip over Shedding Skin. Use my third arm. I, was I like shedding skin. I think it's probably the most complex melody on the on the album, and it has kind of like a a horror film quality to it. Okay, I can I can see that. I can see that. I guess because twenty five years kind of turns me off. It, it, it kind yeah, of it, it, the it, whole it, second it, side to me, and I, and I always think of things in side one, side two. You know, because you can see how how albums are paced in certain mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. And absolutely. so when you see, when you get past slaughtered and then, and then 25 years, you know, you get this, what I thought was a really cool song. And then all of a sudden it kind of just goes in a different direction. You're like, Oh God. And then really it never picks up again from there. It doesn't get anywhere close to, to, to the first four songs on side one. You know, I think Trek 10 and 11, uh, use, use my third arm and throws of rejection are both very heavy songs. Yes. They just, they don't stand out. Right. I mean, I, I like, I, I can, I can, I guess get, uh, deal with using my third arm a little bit, but again, to me, the, the whole, the second side or the last half of the album is kind of like, eh, you know, it's the, dr- meh. the, dr- the drum work on Use My Third Arm is fantastic, though. If you go back and listen to that track, uh, what Vinny's doing drum-wise is just amazing. Uh, it, and it's it's very deathy sounding. I like that aspect of the song probably more than the, the song itself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny you say that because there are certain songs out there that I like just because of certain parts. Mm-hmm. Certain songs are like, oh, that's not a great song, but man, that drumming is good, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it, I, I guess I could see that in, in that in that regards, the way you describe it there. So the the album ends. Well, with, don't. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, don't forget the last track. Right. No. So the album ends with a cover of a Black Sabbath song, "Planet Caravan." Now, here's a funny story about that. That song was not supposed to be on the album. That song was supposed to be... It doesn't sound like it's supposed to be on the album. No, it was supposed to be, if I'm not mistaken, it was supposed to be on the NIB, Nativity in Black, tribute album to Black Sabbath. But they got rejected by the record company, and a lot of that has to do with the Nativity in Black was on Sony Music, and they were on Atlantic, Atco, East West, whichever label it was at the time. I guess you could say WIA, which is Warner Electra Atlantic. That was the the international name for 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 their for that brand, and it encompassed Warner Brothers, Electra, Reprise, Atco, East West, all those record companies. And so they were not really keen on Pantera dropping a song on a Sony album, so they left them off. And so mm. Planet Caravan ended up being on this album because of that. Oddly enough, well, oh no, go on. Sorry. Well, what Phil ended up saying about it was, and, and I kind of agree with it, with his sentiment towards it, is that he likes the song. It really doesn't have anything to do with the direction of the band. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. And I, I get that. To me, it's it's a song I never listen to because uh, it just doesn't fit with the album. 
it it really doesn't but it, but at the same time it's like a bonus track i don't i don't really care you right know, it does it doesn't take anything away from the album it doesn't add anything to the album if you like it great that's that's but it's a bonus track it, it adds four minutes and three seconds to the album <laughs> <laughs> it, yes it adds physical length to the album <laughs> it it <laughs> It, it is one of two Black Sabbath covers that Pantera have recorded in their career, uh, or at least recorded and published. Um, the other one was Hole in the Sky, which I think, again, was supposed to show up on uh, like Nativity in Black 2, if, and I think it may have. I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but that ended up being on their Greatest Hits album that came out after mm. their career was kind of defunct. And that was a cool version. So, you know, you got two extremes when it comes to Black Sabbath. You have this really slow Planet Caravan, and you got Hole in the Sky, which just fits totally into Dimebag style of guitar playing. And let me clarify what I was saying. It's not a bad track. I, I just don't listen to it when I listen to this album because it just, to me, it doesn't fit. But as far as, like, I'll go through binges of listening to covers. I mean, we did a, a, an episode or two on covers, and, I mean, I, I like the track. Again, it just feels like a bonus track to me. And I'm kind of like a purist in, in like, I like the album the way it was released. And I know this was released on it, but it wasn't really intended to be. So, I don't know. It just, it's not one that I stick with. No, and I, I totally understand. Because it, it, it is definitely an add-on, a throw-in, whatever you want to describe it as. Going on with the, uh, the 20th anniversary editions um, that we mentioned earlier this one didn't really have much to it when it came to the, the 20th anniversary edition they added a, a bonus cd was which was um the monsters of rock live uh in 1994 so it had a, it had a concert so there was no additional songs you know like no bonus songs that that were unheard of unreleased but they did put out that concert from the monsters of rock tour not tour but the the show that they had out out in donnington in 94 so not a bad bonus but it's it's not it's not a here you know uh go out and run and get it right away because it's super cool pantera fans definitely are gonna go out there and get it because it's a live album all right so what are your final thoughts as well, far as these two albums go in, in my opinion the reason why i like this album more basically side a if you want to look at it first half of the album to me as as a as a unit is better than songs as a collective unit on on vulgar now as a whole i'm going to go vulgar is probably you know 1 through 10 or 1 through 12 whatever is probably better than far beyond driven but the first the first four songs and then you throw in slaughtered five, those songs to me are a, a step above stuff that's on vulgar I mean, I completely disagree, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> um, I like the tracks on Vulgar much better. I, I love the variation. I love the more melodic uh, sensibility of the album. To me, it, I'll be 100% honest, Far Beyond Driven is one of my least favorite Pantera albums. And it's it's just so repetitive. I like the stuff that came after it better. Um, I don't dislike the album. When I say it's one of my least favorite, that's that's like saying, you know, like, which is your least favorite ice cream in the Neapolitan? Like, I like all three of them. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's uh, 
it, you know, I just I like vulgar display of power a lot better. And I want there was one thing I wanted to to mention, um, and I kind of forgot to address this earlier, but the album covers. I got to say something about so they're, they're, both of them have a kind of an interesting story, and and th- I got to say like the story of of Far Beyond Driven is probably better than the one for Vulgar Display of Power, and that's um, I'll start with that one. So if 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 you know anything about the the cover of Far Beyond Driven, you see a skull with a drill driving into it. That was not the original intended album cover. No, it wasn't. Um, I think we all know that the original one, and if you don't, this is this is a great story. So they, they wanted uh, a picture of an anus with a drill being driven into it. And it was actually, the photo was taken and uh, placed on the album. And from what you were saying, they <laughs> they actually released it in some territories. It, it has been released out in, uh, I believe, Japan. Because they don't give a yeah. shit out in Japan. <laughs> so so um, that's what they wanted. But they, they also felt like that might impact the sales in uh, the typical store like Walmart. So they went with a, a little bit more tame version which is still pretty brutal but it's not uh you know it's not quite as as uh repellent (laughs) (laughs) um so the story that that vinnie paul and i remember him telling this same story on that metal show years and years ago um was that the they paid a a model to take a punch uh, and this was for the Vulgar Display of Power uh, album cover, which is just awesome. It's guy getting punched in the face. You know, it's exactly what you're listening to. So Vinny said they, they paid this guy to take 31 punches. Holy because crap. So they paid him $10 a punch until, <laughs> until, you know, they got it. They got it right, you know. So it turns out that the the after Vinny passed away, the the photographer has dispelled the rumor, and it's the guy never actually even took a punch, and that <laughs> kind of takes away from the mystique because all these years I remember like from the day I got the album, um, all these years I've believed this like almost thirty years I've believed this tr- to be true. And now it's like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. I was hoping some guy got punched 31 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like he got punched. I'll tell you that. I think so. I mean, I think I think that, that it's not true. I mean, it looks. I, how, did, how did they do it otherwise? Because, I mean, his face is like, bleh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he, he looks like he's taking a punch. Yeah, um, let's see. So, let's let's see what Wikipedia says. The band told their label they wanted something vulgar, like a dude getting punched. The first version of the cover, then uh, the first version of the cover that the label brought to the band showed a boxer with a punching glove, but the band didn't like it. So the label produced a second version with a bare fist. Popular rumor that was stirred up by Vinnie Paul was that the man on the cover was paid ten dollars a punch and was hit in the face a total of thirty one times. Okay, so guys dispelled that when he confirmed that the man who hired the model was never actually hit. So, you know. I would like to think that he got punched, but I mean, do you really think a guy's going to take 31 punches? (laughs) You think about it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get punched in the face 31 times. (laughs) Imagine you'd be losing some teeth. Yeah, I think so. And it would be a little, little 
hurtful. But I mean, only for three hundred and ten bucks. <laughs> yeah, give me thirty one hundred, right? I, I think that Please. the guy probably got hit with something, and it was just Photoshop, you know, for, for what it's worth in nineteen ninety four. That kind yeah. of, you know, it was edited with the hand out there. I so mean, there's a lot of techniques. I mean, the guy could just be making that face. The guy's pressing a fist into his face, and they're using. That's true. Uh, I mean, it could like, just be. It just could be a, a, his hand straight up pushing into his face. Yeah. Well, I hate to dispel the rumor, but I mean that's been going around. It's it's not new information, but yeah. Anyway, but um, one one rumor that that is not dispelled is that they actually took a photo of some guy's anus and put a drill in it. Okay. <laughs> that uh, yeah. So the, therefore, as far as brutal brutal album covers go, uh, Far Beyond Driven wins. <laughs> yeah, that the the album on vinyl in America came out with that cover. Oh wow! So, okay. but that was it, it. Did not come out on vinyl when it was first released. So the, the anniversary editions or the later, you know, the the one eighty gram releases that they put out through the years, when they finally put it on vinyl, they put it with the original cover, and they also did put it on CD and stuff like that. So it, it was released in certain places throughout the world, and it well, was. That is one version I will not be seeking out to own myself. That and and the uh, the one with. Um, Typo negative. I don't. I don't need either of those albums in my collection. <laughs> typo negative to me is is more is more uh, uh, vulgar because you're straight up seeing that. This one is just funny to me. I actually put this cover on my on my iTunes as the cover of the album. I took this one. I said, ah, you know what? This is the the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that brings us to the big four. I believe last I, week I went for, or you went first. So I, I think, went first. Last okay, week. so I'm going to go first this week with my big four Pantera songs, and I'm going to start with one that seems pretty obvious. Uh, I'm going to go with number four, "Walk," off of Vulgar Display of Power. We talked about it earlier in the show. It's got such a cool groove. It's 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 such a cool song in the way it's recorded, the the space, the volume, the the not the volume, the the space, the the breathing that the song does to be able to just come across with that brutality that it has. Everyone loves the song. It's got a cool groove, cool lyrics, cool chorus. Number 4 for me. Number 3, Strength Beyond Strength. Now we're getting brutal here. <laughs> Off of Far Beyond Driven, first you know you you drop the needle or you press play on the CD player, and that's the first thing that pops up. You pretty much get slapped across the face, or or you get punched across the face like you do in Vulgar Display of Power, because it just hits you hard and fast. Number two, we kind of briefly touched on it earlier. Cowboys from Hell. It's the first song you hear from the new Pantera. What else can you say? The Dallas Cowboys use this on a video. Because that's how cool the song is. That's there. That was a themed video, and they put "Cowboys from Hell," and that was a song. So, cowboy. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a fan of this song too. <laughs> and number one, I said it earlier in the show. I didn't say definitively, but I'm broken. My number one favorite Pantera song. There you go. All right. All right. So for my number four. We are going with Ride My Rocket from Metal Magic. No. <laughs> Get out of here. 
right. Real number four, Psycho Holiday. I have always loved this song. It was like, I think, number four on my uh, my back when I had iTunes and you I could track how many times I listened to songs. It was like almost always there for some reason. So it seems fitting that this is number four. I just love that riff and it's just a fun song. So um, I got to pick it on my top four. Uh, number three, Walk. Um, I think you said enough. I mean, we said enough the first time. It's just, it is it is aggression incarnate. It is an awesome song. Number two, Fucking Hostile. Again, uh, just to kind of reiterate what I was saying about it, I think it's something everyone can relate to. It's that, you know, don't judge me. Don't mess with me because you have no bearing on who I am. And that's, you know, being... Uh, a fan of of Pantera, you know, through middle school, high school, it was something I could definitely relate to, and so it's it's just one of those songs that I love. Uh, and number one for me is Cowboys from Hell. It's the, it, exactly what you said. It's it's the new Pantera. It was the breakout song. It's just a badass song. I mean, who doesn't want to be a cowboy from hell? Damn straight. All right. So that's it for debating metal this week. Be sure to tune in next week to episode 28 when we're taking you to Sweden with The Haunted, Peter Dolving versus Marco Aro. We'll also have more Rusty Metal, and I'll have another online pick of the week. I'm Chris K, and on behalf of Kenneth Dean, remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya.